Praise the Lord. Good to be with family tonight. Can y'all hear me? All right. I'm live. I'm live. I'm live. All right. Well, we bring greetings to you on behalf of Pastor John and Miss Anita, who are still currently having as much grandbaby time as they can handle and uh, getting to meet their uh, newest grandson over on the West Coast. And I've been enjoying that, having a blessed time. They'll still be gone for a little bit further. Uh, uh, They'll be back with us on a week from Sunday, which is uh, the 20th. And uh, so we pray that they have a real blessed family time and real blessed time of refreshing and uh, everything good that comes from above. Amen. Because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, We encourage you as always to go ahead and stay tuned in to um, what's happening as far as uh, uh, events around the church. Uh, There's a a whole lot of good stuff going on. So uh, keep in tune with your announcements. Those of you that are not yet receiving uh, that Friday email that goes out with a whole lot of good news about what's happening in the church, uh, you can go ahead and request to be on there if you're not already there. Uh, you can just go ahead and uh, if you uh, text us at the office, you can, uh, I'm sorry, email us at the office, info at fcc-church.com or info at fcc-church.com and just uh, uh, put your name, your email address, you know, just say, I want to be on the, the, the weekly uh, email list for the church. And you will have the same announcements that you're hearing on Sunday personally delivered to your inbox. So, so if you need that as a little help to know everything that's going on, we'd be glad to do that for you. And uh, praise the Lord. So uh, what we'll do is I'll let, let you know right now, especially for those that are viewing by live stream, if you wanted to go ahead and uh, uh, give uh, your tithes and offerings right now, you can do so. Uh, several means. You can go to the app, uh, Faith Sea Center. Uh, you can uh, go ahead and text your gift. Uh, you can text 833-245-6431 to get started. Or you can go to faithseacenter.org and give on the website. If you're giving by mail, you can make those checks payable to the FCC and send them on in to uh, uh, 95 Sagamore Road, Seekonk, Massachusetts, 02771. And anybody that wanted to physically give tonight on your way out, we've got the uh, offering containers right in the back center. We've got offering envelopes and pens there, so you can go ahead and fill out uh, your envelope if you need to, if you've not already given by another means, and leave your gift right there on your way out. So praise the Lord. We, we, uh, we encourage giving. We believe in giving. We practice giving. If there's something I want you to know about Faith Christian Center is that we are a giving church. We tithe as a church. We more than tithe as a church and are glad to go ahead and just fall into the principles of God's laws regarding giving and receiving. And it works. It works. It absolutely works. And I'll tell you, you do it, it'll work for you too. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Well, we're going to go ahead and get into the Word tonight, and uh, my responsibility during the time the pastor's out is to cover uh, this Wednesday night and the, the following Wednesday night. We're going to do a series on being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. And uh, this is uh, very, very, very important. And I don't just say that because I happen to be up here talking to you tonight. I, I say that because this is something that is so important and can be, in some cases, a matter of life or death. In some cases, it can be the difference between joy and a whole lot of unnecessary misery. Praise the Lord, somebody. So Pastor Ray looking to save y'all some trouble tonight. You know, Jesus said in the world you'll have tribulation, but not all tribulation is necessary. You will have to deal with the necessary tribulation. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But there's a whole lot of stuff that, that you won't necessarily have to deal with if you learn to listen to the Spirit of God who dwells on the inside of you. Hallelujah. All right. So, as we get started tonight, I want you to just understand the importance of uh, knowing this very basic thing, that you are a spirit. If you understand that God created you and that God created you in his image and in his likeness, as Genesis says, when God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and uh, uh, it restates it by saying, so God created man in his own image. and the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. And Jesus told us something about what God is like in the fourth chapter of John in the 24th verse when he said, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So therefore we realize this, that God is spirit. We're made in the likeness and image of God. So therefore we are spirit too. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he said, Now may the God of peace sancti uh, himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see a little more clarity there, understanding that man is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit being the very center, the very core of you, the eternal part of you. And of course, your, your soul, uh, which has to do with your mind, your will, your intellect, and actually, your soul also an eternal part of you, because if you remember this, the, uh, the, when, when Jesus was telling of the incident of the rich man and Lazarus, how many of you ever read that in the Bible before? You can tell that that man who went into hell still remembered things on the earth. So his mind was intact. 
even though he was on the other side of this life, his mind was intact and he still remembered things of this life. So uh, your spirit and your soul, the eternal parts of you, and obviously you're dwelling in a body. Everybody slap yourself, not too hard. That's the home of your spirit and your soul. A lot of times in, in the church, we have thought that uh, spirit and soul were just interchangeable terms. But the, the problem you got with that is, first of all, that they're listed separately, as Paul did in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. But another problem with that is that there's another verse of Scripture where he clearly says that they can be divided. And that's Hebrews 4.12, where he said that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it pierces to the dividing between soul and spirit. Well, if they're one and the same, they obviously can't be divided, but if they can be divided, they must be different. Another very interesting thing that helps us to see that soul and spirit are not the same, in uh, James chapter 1, and uh, uh, right, right in the range of verse 19 through 21, I believe, uh, uh, James is addressing my brethren. So he's talking to believers. He's talking to saved people. My brethren. And what's he say to my brethren? He says to them that they need to receive with meekness the engrafted word. Since he got it up, put 21 up there. Uh, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So that's a very interesting thought that he's telling saved people that they need to get saved. Praise the Lord. Well, what, what the deal is, is that these are people, they are saved, their spirits are saved, they're new creatures in Christ Jesus, but they still need to get their souls saved, otherwise known as something we call the renewing of the mind. Amen. And uh, every believer has to go through that same process. There's, there's nobody who grows up quick. There's nobody who, who, who bypasses these things and, and goes on to a fast track of growth. Every believer, uh, no matter who you are, called to the ministry or not, has to go through the same thing. However, I will tell you this, that the more seriously you take your walk with God, the faster you'll grow in him. You see, we have had people that are in the church for decades and decades that are not spiritually mature people because the amount of time you've been saved is not equal to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity has a whole lot to do with how much you put into your walk. I'll tell you this, when I first met my wife, praise the Lord, one thing that was very impressive to me during the time of our courtship and one thing that seriously caught my attention was that here's somebody who was not saved more than four, five years, but I saw her as being more uh, spiritually mature than people that have been around for forever and ever because she just dropped everything, went after God with everything she had, and that spoke volumes. That, that caused her to, to be able to grow and go further in a walk with God than some other people that have been around for a long time, but they've just been sitting and, you know, listening to sermons and not going home and doing anything about it. 
Whereas you have somebody who's not just listening, but as the word teaches us, being a doer of the word, and that person was able to grow and develop spiritually at a faster rate than someone who's just becoming a fat baby, if you know what I mean. Lord, help us. I already started messing with you, and it's early. Look out. <laughs> but but we, we see the point there, and we understand this. What's the part of you that changes anyhow when you're born again? Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So uh, let, let me ask you this. Uh, what's new about your body after you get saved? If you had beautiful brown eyes, you still got beautiful brown eyes. If you had beautiful green eyes or blue eyes, your, your eyes are still the same color. If, if your hair was one color, your hair is still the same color. If there was no hair, there's still no hair. But, but uh, uh uh, you, you know, uh, the, the thing that changes about you, the thing that becomes a new creation is not your body and it's not your mind. If you didn't know anything about thermodynamics before, you don't know thermodynamics now. But what changes? Your spirit is a new creation. Hallelujah. And the Bible, uh, right here in the same book, Second Corinthians, but in the fourth chapter, Paul talks about this even to an, another degree, making it very clear. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man, the body, is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Yeah, there's an outward man, but the outward man is not all there is. There is an inward man. And your outward man may not look as young as it once did, oh Lord, but that inward man is being renewed day by day. That there is your spirit. That there is the real you. Hallelujah. Now, when I say the real you, I want to go ahead and take a look at something. The, the wording of the Apostle Paul in making reference to his spirit as I and other parts of him as it. You're going to find this very fascinating, but, but it's a real clear distinction of what what uh, when when Paul is speaking from from the standpoint of the spirit speaking about other parts of him, you know, spirit, soul, and body. So so we're going to take a look at this. Uh, first of all, we're going to take a look at Philippians one, and we just want to go ahead and get this the uh, this idea deeply ingrained inside of us. We need to get this that that we are spirits. Created in the image of God. Get you to be uh, aware not just of your body and feeding yourself three times a day or not just get your education. Because it would be a very sad thing for you to be thoroughly educated in your mind, thoroughly fed and well exercised in your body, and yet you're going through life like you don't even know you have a spirit. And yet the condition of your spirit is the thing that impacts your eternity. It's the thing that will impact whether you spend the rest of your eternity in the smoking or the non-smoking section. Praise the Lord. Now, Philippians 1, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Having a desire to depart. Now, hold on before we go on. I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart. So he's talking about I departing. Departing from where? Well, he is actually 
talking about departing this life. He's talking about I, the spirit, departing from his body and going to be with Christ, which he said is far better. But of course, the next verse he says, as he's thinking this through, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So he made his choice. He said, I'm going to go ahead and stay around. But he said, I am in a, 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 a straight or, or in a quandary between the two. Should I stay or should I go? You know, he was thinking about it. Uh, what, what, what about the, this possibility uh, of, of going and being with the Lord or hanging out with you and helping you guys out a little bit more? And he made the decision. I need to stay and help you guys out a little bit more. But then later, he used this terminology in the very last uh, section of the very last book he wrote as Paul was about to go and, and under the sword and lose his head for the sake of the gospel. But just before that, he said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And he said, I am now ready to be offered. Hallelujah. Who's I? It's the spirit. You see that? Because his spirit, at that point, he said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave my body <laughs> and go to be with the Lord. And so at that point, he did. But here, he thought about it, but he said, I need to stay. Who's the I? The I was the spirit. It's even more clear in this next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. But I discipline my body. Well, right there, you, you see a distinction between I and my body. So who's I? It's his spirit. And his body, obviously, is his body. And bring it into subjection. What's it? It is his body. So I is talking about the inner man, the spirit man. Discipline in my body, bringing it to subjection, less or unless that, that I would have preached to others and that I myself should become disqualified. So how important it is for us to get this deeply ingrained into us that this body is just the house you're living in for the time you're here. Oh my goodness. You know what I, I've been saying over the last few years, especially when preaching funerals, it's been my observation that, that the guest of honor never shows up to their own funeral. How many of you have ever figured that out? The guest of honor does not show up. You know what shows up? Is the house that they lived in during the time that they were here. Why is that house no longer active and no longer moving and no longer walking and talking? Because the I who was in there is no longer living there. The spirit has left the body. And James taught that, that the spirit, uh, uh, the, the body without the spirit is dead. You ever read that in the book of James? Well, that's the truth. That's exactly what happens. So, so when you are standing in front of a lifeless body, you're standing in front of the house where a spirit used to live, but the spirit's not there anymore. The spirit has moved out. So therefore, the life that was in there that caused motion and, 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 and uh, uh, expression to come out of that body, there ain't nothing coming out anymore because I is not there anymore. And you know what I mean by I. I'm talking about the spirit of that person. Amen. So I want to establish that first as a very important thing to establish. You are a spirit. 
You are created in the image and likeness of God. God is spirit, and so are you. Now, why do you need to be led by the spirit? Someone might ask the question, well, isn't the Bible enough? If I just do what the Bible says, isn't the Bible enough? Well, interesting, John 16, 13, these are the words of Jesus. And he said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So I want you to realize this, that Jesus said that we needed the spirit of truth to guide us into all truth. Now, that's John 16. John 17, Jesus made the statement, uh, sanctify them through your word. Your word is truth. So Jesus is clearly identifying the word of God as truth, and yet he calls the spirit of God the spirit of truth, who will lead you into all truth. So the spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead, God himself is involved in leading you and guiding you into all truth. He's there to take you on a tour guide into all truth. Now, consider this, and, and there's a little humor in this, but I want you to get the point of it. How big would your Bible be if it had instructions for everyone's daily decisions? How big would your Bible be if it had instructions in it for everyone's daily decisions. And even if, uh, even if you weren't talking about a, a physical printed Bible, how many megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes, big boy bytes would you need to contain all that information? Because that's a whole lot of information of everybody's daily decisions for everybody who's ever lived and is living now and will live. That's a whole lot of information. So consider that for a minute. Now, uh, you might say, well, well you know what? Uh, the, the word provides general principles to live by. And yeah, the principles of the word are absolutely right absolutely true and we do live by them but i want you to know when it comes to decision making uh not everything is well uh do i love them or do i not love them because i know the answer is i should love them but a lot of times you know the scripture talks about exercising discernment when it comes to love paul prayed for the church that they would uh um uh that the, they would uh, increase in in, in in, uh, uh, in, in knowledge and in all discernment when it comes to their love walk. When it comes to love, well, why do you need discernment in love? Well, you, hey, sometimes you need to know when somebody needs a hug and when they need a kick in the booty. You know what I'm saying? There's di discretion, there's discernment that's involved in loving people. As far as what, a, what love approach do I take with somebody at a given time? What, what, when, when does somebody need the gentle hand? When does somebody need the good with it? You know what I'm saying? So, so there's a whole lot of nuance to the, the direction that we need to go and, and the decisions that we need to make on a daily basis that the Bible does not just cover every single 
aspect of your roadmap for you. General principles, yes. God's general will for everybody, but I want to talk to you about a level of God's specific will. Hallelujah. So, let's go, go ahead and, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But uh, consider this, that Paul, the apostle, he received the great commission, just like every other member of the church received the great commission. And if you don't know what the great commission is, the great commission is what's referred to as the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended to be with the father. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Just go everywhere and preach it. Start here in Jerusalem and then go to Judea, go to Samaria, and then bring it to the uttermost parts of the earth. So God said go. So Paul intended to go somewhere and preach. And the Holy Spirit told him not to go. So think about that for a minute. He's got clear scripture to go and do something. Jesus said, go, and I'm going. Hey, that's all I need. Jesus said, go, here we go. And yet on his way to go somewhere to do what Jesus said to do, he gets this other direction that's the spirit of the Lord telling him, no, don't go there. So he's technically doing what the word said to do, but why did he need further direction? Interesting question, isn't it? Consider this. We'll look at this particular instance. This is Paul's ministry. This is Paul in the middle of one of his missionary trips in Acts 16, verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Well, hey, Bithynia, that's part of the world. Jesus said going to all the world. So if he was going there, he was going to somewhere Jesus really told him to go. And yet you have this case here where the Spirit did not permit them to go there. Why? That's why we need to understand the, the importance of understanding God's uh, general will, which applies to everybody, but to know that God has a specific will that will vary from individual to individual. Because, hey, if everybody went to Bithynia, uh, then uh, what, what about Ephesus? What about Corinth? Well, if everybody said, well, I just am going to go, Jesus said to go, and I'm going to go, so I'm going to Bithynia. But you see, God's smart enough to make sure that there ain't no place left out. God's smart enough to know that I need a representative here and I need a representative there. So therefore, it is beneficial for me, God speaking now, to go ahead and make sure that we have individualized, uh, personalized instructions so that they know when I say go into all the world, well, Lord, the world's big. What part? What part is my part of the assignment? Because you see, the truth is not that God didn't want to help those people into Bithynia. The truth is that helping those people in Bithynia was not Paul's assignment. It was somebody else's assignment. And I can prove it to you by the Bible. You ready? Go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. And who's he writing to? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, 
Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Somebody had the call to go there. Somebody had the job to go there. But Paul was told not to go there. Why? Because his assignment was to go elsewhere. God knew he already had Bithynia covered with somebody else. Whoa, hallelujah. Is that enlightening to us? That, that's, that's tremendous because you see, the Bible is God's general direction, but the Spirit's leading provides the specific direction. But even when it comes to the specific direction of the Spirit, you can always be sure about this. He will always lead you in line with the Word. He won't contradict the Word. Why? Because the Word, He wrote the book. The Spirit of God wrote the Bible. Did you know that? So he's not going to go ahead and tell you to do something in your own specific walk with God that's going to go ahead and contradict what he already said to you in the general will of God. His words are going to go ahead and coincide perfectly and be in perfect agreement with each other. He's never going to go ahead and tell you to do something that will contradict what he already said. Praise the Lord. Now, let's check this out. And just a little more scripture to show us the, the idea that um, uh, different people, sons and daughters of the same God, serving the same God in the same kingdom, have different assignments. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Paul in this context was talking about the fact that, that he was gifted in a way where he could go through his whole life as a single man, uh, completely devoting himself to the Lord and to the work of the Lord and, and not having the, 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 the need to, to have a wife. Not everybody's wired like Paul was. That's pretty obvious. But you see, Paul recognized that each person has their own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. You see that? Praise the Lord. Very important. Let's look at another thing, uh, another verse that, that establishes that same thought. Romans 12, verse 6, having then gifts differing. Not gifts all the same, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. But the thought is this. You've got gifts differing according to the grace that is given to you. So, so based on the grace that is given to you, you're, you're, you may be gifted in one area uh, stronger than another area or vice versa. Gifts differ. But one thing that never differs is the giver of the gift and the word. So you see, uh, the, the general will of God for everybody applies to everybody all the time. You know, there, there, there's no exceptions on the adultery clause, you know. It's like, oh, well, let's see, under my special circumstances, I get to go ahead and get away with a little extra. Oh, no, you don't. Forget about that. You lie, you fry. Come on now. <laughs> so, you see, the general will of God is applying to everybody. Without exception. 
But the specific will of God, you see, if you're not called to be an apostle, don't try to be an apostle. Function in your gift, function in your grace. As a wise person said, stay in your lane. Come on now. Hallelujah. See, you can act on the word itself just based because the word said to do something. As long as the spirit is not flagging you down like he did with Paul. So, so you might see, whoa, uh, uh, you might see something in the Bible and say, well, the Bible says that, so I need to go ahead and do that. But you see, we, we, uh, if we just run off and, and, and do that without paying attention to the leading of the Spirit on the inside, then we can become somebody who wants to go out in all the world and preach the gospel, and then you get somewhere where you're not graced and gifted to be, and say, oh boy, what do I do now? See that? But if you follow the word and you follow the spirit, then you're being led in line with the word, but, but the Holy Ghost is not bringing you out into a place where you're not equipped to deal with something and equipped to handle something. No, he's bringing you right into the place where, where you are equipped, whether you realize it or not, graced and gifted, whether you realize it or not. And, and when, when he's involved in it that way, it works. And when you just try to do something apart from that, oh, that's a quick way to get in trouble. And you might say, but I'm being a doer of the word. Yeah, you're being a doer of the word, but do not violate the, the voice of the spirit inside of you because he's giving you specific direction. And I think you get the concept of what I'm talking about. I think Paul's example of that was just a, a, a brilliantly laid out by the spirit for us to see that, uh, uh, you know, just because Jesus said go doesn't mean, all right, well, I'm just going to go ahead and and go and forget anything else. No, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go anywhere I can go, but if the Lord says not there, you pay attention to that. Amen. Now, do you need human teachers? Well, I got the Holy Ghost. I'm good. I'm all set. What do I need people for? Isn't the Holy Spirit enough? What do I need human teachers for? And consider this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Now, the idea of knowing all things, you know all things that you need to know about. You don't know all things about other people. And God's pretty smart to do it that way. Because when it comes to other people, you know what that's called? That's called nunya. Otherwise known as nunya business. Praise the Lord. And you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I remember Jesus dealing with Peter uh, a, 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 after the resurrection and, and John's following behind and Peter looks around rather than listening to Jesus. He looks around and said, Lord, what's he supposed to do? And Jesus said, if I want him to hang out till I come back again, what is that to you? Follow me. So that's Jesus telling Peter that what I want John to do is none of your business. Praise the Lord. That's just a little side journey for you. Take that and run with it. But anyhow, we read 1 John 2, 20. Let's look at the same chapter, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true, 
and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So, you do not need anyone else to teach you. Let's take a look at that. Well, let's look at it this way. You don't need anyone else to teach you or lead you when it comes to the role that the Holy Spirit has in the life of every believer. So ain't nobody going to take the place of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit's role in your life is absolutely uh, uh, different from the role of any other human being that God would use in your life. That's because he deals with each one of us personally and directly. So, so there's no super saint that says, I get to be the Holy Ghost to you. <laughs> see, see, I get mine direct and you get your second hand. No, no. The God's God to everybody. The Holy Spirit's there to indwell every believer and to teach every believer. However, even though he deals with each one personally and directly, this does not mean that, does, that God does not teach you through other people. And the scripture makes this quite obvious because the same Bible that says that you need not for any man to teach you is also the same Bible that says that Jesus, the head of the church, has placed teachers within the church. Are you with me? So let's take a look, 2 Peter 1. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the way we got the Scripture was by the Holy Spirit through men. Are we right? By the Holy Spirit through men. So therefore, we, we see this. We see God using men to bring to us his very own word. Well, I can't think of a more important project in human history than the recording of the words of God. And God, to do that, did not just go ahead and write it all on tablet. He wrote some of it on tablet, but he didn't write all of it on tablet. No, he moved upon men, men of God, to write things down. And they did, thank God. Now, keep this in mind, the, the very essence of what the head of the church has done to take care of the church, to, to be able to equip saints so that we as the, the body of Christ can function the way we need to function, what did he do? Ephesians 4, verse 11, says that uh, uh, he gave some gifts uh, unto men. He, he gave gifts unto men, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. So we see that Jesus has given some teachers in his body. Paul said the same thing, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, right at the beginning there, where he said, God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So we see that. That's clear. And we understand this, that, that as far as God is concerned, even though... The Holy Spirit has a role inside of the believer that nobody else can take that role. 
Nobody else can take the role of the Holy Spirit. However, God has anointed men and women with the Holy Spirit to be able to teach. Think about this. And uh, you, you know what? Actually, it'd be fun to look at if y'all can pull it up. This is Acts chapter 18, 24 through 26. I'll give you a minute to get it because I think it's important to see this. And we're talking about this, that even though God himself dwells inside of you, God still uses people in your life. So we don't want you to become the Lone Ranger now, all right? Say, I got the Holy Ghost dwelling in me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't need nobody telling me what to do. Hallelujah. All right. Now, th this is big. This is, this, this is uh, real insightful. Talking about Apollos and experience he had with a dynamic duo couple known as Aquila and Priscilla. Are you ready? Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught. Does that say inaccurately? No, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So stay there for a minute. He knew only the baptism of John, but with what he didn't know, he was accurate with it. You see that? But if all he knew was the baptism of John, there's a whole lot that happened after the baptism of John. See, John came to point to somebody who was greater than he was, mightier than I, as he said. He came to be the forerunner, the, the one who said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So John's baptism, I mean, that's good. But what about Jesus? Next verse. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, he, it says he was teaching accurately. But yet, this couple took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. You see, he was preaching accurately based on what he knew. And the scripture is clear that what he knew was the baptism of John the Baptist. But Aquila and Priscilla took him and filled him in on those other things that happened after that point in time that he did not yet know about. And then, boy, I'll tell you what, you got this man, his accuracy went up to a whole nother level. The, the Bible calls him eloquent. The Bible calls him mighty in the scriptures. Now imagine how strong he could be now that he's fully informed rather than just kind of half informed. Praise the Lord. Now, now I, I guarantee you this. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't saying, well, I got the Holy Spirit. What do I need you guys for? No, because I'll tell you, when they started explaining to him the way of God more accurately, Whoa, that just impacted him. You see the way that the Apostle Paul talks about him in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, yeah, the book of 1 Corinthians. Just powerful. Powerful. I, I mean, you know, you, you read about this, you say, wow, this guy's got quite a ministry. Well, when he started in the ministry, he only half knew what he was talking about. 
But God sent some people along to take him aside and expound to him the way of God more accurately. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, that's important. Amen. What about the value of the counsel of godly people? Well, well, well. The, the value of the counsel of godly people in your life. Should you only go by what you say the Spirit is telling you? Or should you test those things that you believe you're hearing from God? First of all, against the written word. And secondly, uh, against the counsel of other people that, that are in your life who know God and have proven track records. That means they're not weird and flaky. That you can tell that they have good, solid walk with God and they've got proof to show it. They've got fruit for the life that they've lived. So, are you going to go ahead and say, well, God's talking to me. I don't need anybody else to talk to me. See, that's a dangerous place to be. We need to be in a position to want to go ahead and uh, and, and, and get the, the feedback uh, of of people that God has put in our lives to help us stay on track. I, I've been saying it like this for some years, that, that you've got multiple radios that are tuned into the same station. You pick up the same signal. You've got multiple radios tuned into the same station. You pick up the same signal. So if you get in one thing and you've got uh, uh, trusted believers, uh, pastors, uh, leaders in, in your life, that, that are tuning into that station saying, well, I ain't hearing what you're hearing, then there's a good reason for you to go ahead and have some doubts and slow down about what you think you're hearing. Be, because here's the thing. God's not confused. God, you know, something that is right, uh, more, more often than not, is going to bear witness, ring a bell with other people in your life that know the voice of God. I'm not saying that people can't miss it because people do. But I'm saying that as an overall general principle to keep us safe and to keep us from getting off this way or off that way, you, you, you know, you have people in your life that you can run things by and say, you know, I, I, how's this sit with you? Uh, how's this hit your spirit when you hear this? And say, it rings a bell with me. I feel good about that. Or I say, whoa, horsey. You know, there's something, something up with that, you know? And, and, and the, that is just wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen that uh, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but the multitude of counselors, their safety. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21 says this, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. We'll get into personal words next week, but, uh, uh, that's just a little side thought. Uh, then he says this, test all things, hold fast what is good. Test all things, hold fast what is good. So you test what you believe you're getting from God to see if it really is. Because here's the thing, it should be able to pass the test, especially if you're going to go ahead and do something. If you're going to go ahead and do something that's life-altering and life-changing, you do need to know that it's God. And so, in order to, to determine that, you test things. There's safety in the multitude of counselors, and, and you test it 
in, in multiple ways. Test it against the word, of course, that's the most obvious way to go. The first thing to do is, is it scriptural? But then also, but by judging the, the opinion and, and the thoughts of other people in your life that know the spirit of God. And if someone does not want their leading or what they think they're hearing from God to be tested, I'm going to offer my opinion. I don't have Bible verse for this. I want to be able to clear this as Pastor Ray's opinion. But if you don't want your leading or what you think you're hearing from God to be tested, I believe I've got every reason to be suspicious that you may not be hearing from God. Because the idea of claiming some air of infallibility is not even the right spirit to begin with. Because the right spirit would say, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I'm fallible and I can make a mistake, which is the very reason why I want to go ahead and make sure that I'm right. See, people that are right will care about being right. And if you don't want to go ahead and have your revelation or your insight get tested, then you probably don't care all that much about being right. You just want to look deep and spiritual, which is an outward show, but it's not substance. Come on. Oh, Lord. Come on. Praise him. All right. Let's move on now. Down, boy. Down, boy. All right. Know the word so you can know the voice of the spirit. Know the word so you can know the voice of the spirit. You know, we, we read a few minutes ago, 2 Peter 1, about uh, that, that uh, uh, talking about the scripture that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So, knowing the word. You see, the spirit wrote the book. The spirit wrote the word. He's the author. So, the better you know the word, the better you know him in the word, the better you're able to recognize his voice inside of you. Because it's the same voice, talking the same way, using the same language. Not saying one thing here and another thing there. No, always perfectly consistent. I, I love this, Acts 1.16. Uh, uh, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke. So you see, the Holy Spirit spoke scripture. See that? The Holy Spirit spoke scripture. That's not deep. That's not heavy. That's simple, right? The Holy Spirit spoke scripture. So therefore, if you know scripture, if you get into scripture and you just get into the word and get into the word and let the word get into you, you're setting yourself up to be able to recognize the, the, what the author sounds like, recognize his voice, because the same way he's going to talk to you is going to sound just like the way he talked to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and everybody else. Amen. So the better you know the word, the better you know the voice of the spirit. The same voice of him within you is that voice that has already spoken out the scripture. So therefore, if it don't sound like the word, that's the very, very first test. Above all other tests, that's the very first test to know, am I hearing from God or not? Am I really being led or not? Now, how should you expect to be led? Well, Romans 8 has some goodies on this. Romans 8, 14, 
It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you are a child of God, a son or a daughter of the Most High God, you've got the expectation to be led by the Spirit of God. And that's what we're talking about, being led by the Spirit. Verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, this witness is not a big, booming voice. God can talk in a big, booming voice if he wanted to. He does not often do that. But one of the number one ways that you will be led by the Spirit of God is through what we call the inward witness. The Spirit himself bearing witness with your spirit. That's not a big booming voice, but it's a nudging. It's a prompting. It's a sense of peace when something's right and a lack of peace when it ain't right. Let's look at something the scripture says here. Proverbs 20, verse 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. Now, I want to go ahead and say this to you in a way that that I think is helpful, and I think you can really take this and, and run with it. Look at it like this. God is the fire. Your spirit is the candle. God is the fire. Your spirit is the candle. He lights the candle so you can see where you're going. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? God is the fire. Your spirit is the candle. He lights the candle so you can see where you're going. My, my, my. And that's what he does. Psalm 18, verse 28. For you will light my lamp. What's, what's the lamp of the Lord? The, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. You will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Well, I'm in a dark place because I don't know what to do. But when the spirit of God lights the lamp, then your darkness is enlightened and you can see where you're going and know what to do. Job 32 and verse 8 says, but there is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. But there is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Uh, the, The King James, the original King James of that says that the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Imagine that the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. So there's a spirit in man, and as the Lord is directing you through your spirit, because that's where he is when the spirit of God comes to dwell inside of you, he's dwelling inside of your spirit. So through your spirit, he's giving you the breath, or he's giving you, as the King James says here, he's giving you the inspiration that you need to give you understanding. Hallelujah. And that's big. Think about what is available to us. Think about, and you know what? We're not going to focus on something negative here, but, but think back just a little bit 
at times when you could have saved yourself a whole lot of trouble just by paying attention to that something on the inside that was nudging you in one way or nudging you in another way. Lord, we can all tell our stories. But you know, one thing we need to get past, you know, uh, is a lot, lot of times people experience that and they say, well, I thought that was just me. How many of you have thought that or heard that before? It's all right, because we all have in some way. I thought that was just me. Well, when the Spirit of God gives you witness or prompting inside of you, you can be tempted to think that, meaning that it was just my own mind or just my own thoughts or just last night's pizza or whatever the case is. However, part of God's working in you is his planting desires inside of you. Part of God's working in you, in us, is to plant desires inside of us. You know, uh, David wrote these words, uh, Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And of course, that's a verse that's been very interesting because people have looked at it from two different angles. The obvious angle, meaning that delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What your heart desires, he'll give you. And, uh, but, but the flip side of that is also the fact that God will give you desires. God will plant desires into your heart. And that is certainly in line with other things that the scripture teaches. Philippians uh, 2, verse 13 says, It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That God would work in you to will to do something. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That God would work in you both to will, to will something and to do something, to plant a desire in you, uh, uh, the will to do something that you may not have had previously, but God plants a desire inside of you. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 uh, uh, really uh, restates in a different way. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Planting those desires in you that are right in line with what is pleasing to him, with what he wants, with what he desires, with what makes him happy. Now, think about this. We're going to look at two verses from the Old Testament that are very, very uh, telling when it comes to this concept, both out of the book of Ezra. First of all, Ezra chapter 1 and verse 5. Then the heads of the father's houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Why did they go and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem? Because God had moved in their spirits. Hallelujah. Now, look at verse uh, uh, verse 27 of chapter 7. Same book, Ezra. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. 
That's God putting a desire in someone's heart. And I tell you, this is very, very real. That God can put a desire in your heart. And at the moment that it happens, you don't even realize it was him. Sometimes you do, but not always. I remember the day I had a flyer left on my door. I was just 13 and a half years old at the time. Interested in the things of God, but still 13 and a half years old. Uh, and uh, the neighborhood got canvassed and there was a flyer on the door. And uh, it was a spring revival taking place at a location up the street. I mean, three and a half minute walk from, from my house to theirs very, very close to where I live. And uh, on the Wednesday night of that week, there was going to be a certain guest speaker there named Sam Smith, who's the founding pastor of this very church we're in tonight. I had a desire. And you know what? Part of it might have been curiosity because everything I ever heard the folks I hung out with and loved Jesus, loved me. But, but, but they said, you need to stay away from those Cadillac-driving faith preachers like Kenneth Hayden, Kenneth Copeland, and that guy in Seekonk named Sam Smith. But I saw that, and I had a desire to go. It was planted in me. And I went and Whoa, glory to God, I can tell you to this very day. That night, very deeply impacted the trajectory of my life. I didn't know it at the time. I thought I'd just go into church to hear somebody that I was told to stay away from. <laughs> but God had the big picture. But you know, what, what was that? That was a desire. I saw that flyer and that desire was planted in my heart. I remember another time, a few years after that, um, I was at somebody's house and I just happened to, everybody was cleared out, you know, in different places of the house and I was in the kitchen all by myself and I saw a postcard on the counter. And... Uh, um, I don't know who the speaker was. I don't remember. But I know that it said about the speaker uh, in their bio that they were a graduate of Rama Bible Training Center and that they were going to be a guest speaker at a church in Seekonk. Guess which one? <laughs> Faith Christian Center. Now, I didn't look at the, the guest speaker part at that moment in time. I just looked at that graduate of Rama Bible Training Center. And... Uh, uh, the, the best way I can describe it is something inside of me said, wouldn't it be nice? Just something planted, something dropped. Wouldn't it be nice? But I got to tell you, it didn't stop there, it grew. But that was the moment where a desire was placed in my heart to immediately after graduating high school to go to Rhema Bible Training Center, now called Rhema Bible Training College in Oklahoma, 
and I did it. And I'll tell you, there was another thing that greatly impacted the trajectory of my life. And I'm praying you get some of the benefit of that tonight. I'm praying that some of the things that God's allowed me to, to hear, God's allowed me to have planted in me, God's allowed me to experience through some smart knocks and some hard knocks can be a blessing to you and help you in your life tonight. But I got to tell you, in both those instances, things that were very, very dramatic moments in my life, at the moment they happened, didn't seem to be very dramatic. God just dropped a desire. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. There's just a strong sense inside of me that he's working right in this room tonight. Stirring things up. Mm. Stirring things up that, that may have lay dormant for a while because you might have dismissed that and said oh yeah that I thought that was just me but oh God's stirring up the pot on you tonight oh yeah thank you Lord listen to him listen to him listen to him he's lighting the candle so that you can see where you're going when he lights the candle, he enlightens the darkness, you know. Uh, prior to that moment, it's like, uh, I'm not sure exactly where to go and what to do. But when he lights the candle, I don't see it all, but at least I know what the next step is. Right. You, you think that when God lights the candle that he's just going to go ahead and light it all up for you. And you just see this clear path all the way to the day when you stand before the Lord. That's not the way it works. Because that's not walking by faith. But he will let you see the next step. Take the next step. Woo! <laughs> he lit the candle again. Take the next step. Then, oh, he lit the candle again. Take the next step. Hallelujah. And let me say this to you as we close. Glory to God. If I wanted to hear you, and this is pretty basic, I would listen to you in the location where you're at. So, Joanne, I see you here. If I want to hear you, I need to be in the sanctuary because that's where you are. So if I want to hear your voice, I want to listen for your voice in the place where you are. I'm not going to go to the office to try to hear you. You know why? Because you ain't in the office. You're here. Well, with God, where is God? Where is the spirit of God? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know? that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. You want to hear him. You might look up in the sky. You might say, uh, uh, well, maybe if I go to, to church and just get right down to the altar, maybe God's in the altar. But I want you to know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to hear him, 
you hear him in the place where he's at. He's inside of you to lead you, to guide you, to nudge you, to prompt you, to give you that witness. Heed that. Look for that. As a matter of fact, as you do, you grow in your sensitivity to, to that. And then you, you, when you grow, you're more skillful. And you become better and better at discerning his voice and his leading inside of you. More to do next week, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray tonight. Father, we honor you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the, the blessing of your precious word and what you've done in our midst tonight. We honor you and we're so grateful. And tonight, as we're about to close up the service, if there's anybody in the room and if there's anybody watching by live stream and uh, God has dealt with you, has messed with you tonight, and you know I can't go another day without getting things straight with the Lord. He loves me too much for me not to take him up on his loving, kind, and gracious offer to redeem me and to save me. He's already done what needed to be done to save you and to redeem you. All you need to do is gladly receive and accept his gracious offer to you that was extended to you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if that's you tonight, and you know you ain't going another day without getting your life in the hands of Almighty God, getting your business straight with God. Now's your moment, and I want you to pray this with me. But this is not just some kind of saying a prayer religious kind of thing. No, I want you to say this, mean this with all your heart, if this is what's in your heart, then say it and say it with, with every bit of meaning that you've got inside of you. Because I tell you, God loves you so much and he wants you to, to experience his love and his grace, his forgiveness, his redemption for you. No need to go another day without it. So let's pray. Pray this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I repent. I do a U-turn. I turn from the way I've been going. And I turn after you, Lord. And I will serve you. And I will follow after you all the days of my life I receive your gift of eternal life right now amen praise God I tell you if that's you if you're in the house please come by and talk with us tonight before you leave we want to know what happened to you if that's you and you're watching my live stream please contact us you could reach us live in the office tomorrow 508 336 4110. We would love to hear about what God has done in your life. Don't hesitate. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about how good he's been to you. I tell you, praise the Lord. He's been good to us tonight. So wonderful to be in a position to receive from him. And uh, we look forward to more receiving to come.
Amen. We'll be receiving the word of God Sunday morning. Pastor Chris will minister to us Sunday morning. And then we'll continue our subject matter that we started tonight, next Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. We love y'all. And tonight we're going to go ahead and sing one more time. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. And after we sing, you are dismissed. We love you very much. Let's sing. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour